Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to episode 11 of the IMDb Top 50 uh, Marathon Podcast, uh, the show where every weekend I work my way down the IMDb Top 50 highest rated films of all time, and I give my own uh, small review of them. I'm sure you know how it all works by now. Uh, hope everyone's had a nice week, not suffered too much from the clocks going back an hour. Uh, but actually, most of my listeners are from countries that don't even have daylight savings time, so uh, lucky yous. Um I mean, I stay in bed until noon on a good day anyway, uh, so yeah. Episode uh, 11 now, on to uh, American History X, a film I'd actually already seen uh, just a month before I started the podcast, um, so I was excited to talk about this one. Um, so, let's get uh, right into it, as always. Um, we'll start off with my uh, plot summary right first. Uh, so, high school student Danny Vineyard antagonizes his Jewish history teacher, Murray, uh, by choosing to write a civil rights essay on Mein Kampf. African-American principal and outreach worker, Dr. Bob Sweeney, tells Danny that he'll study history through current events or be expelled, calling their class American History X. Danny's first assignment is a paper on his older brother, Derek, a past student of Sweeney's and former neo-Nazi leader released from prison that same day. In the school bathroom, Danny finds three African-American students bullying a white student. He disrespects the leader by blowing cigarette smoke in his face. Meanwhile, Dr. Sweeney meets with police officers being briefed on Derek's release. Years earlier, Danny and Derek's father, who's a fireman, shot and killed by African-American drug dealers while putting out a fire at their home. In the immediate aftermath of his death, Derek erupts in a racist tirade in a televised interview. High-profile racist uh, Cameron Alexander becomes Derek's mentor and they form their own violent white supremacist gang called the Disciples of Christ in Venice Beach. A skilled basketball player, Derek is dragged into a game against several Crips, winning control of the local courts. Derek organises an attack on the supermarket employing illegal and Mexican immigrants. Then Derek's mother Doris invites Murray, her boyfriend, for dinner um, where an argument about Rodney King in the 1992 LA riots occurs. Derek assaults his sister Davina, and Doris tells Derek to leave home. That same night, the same group of uh, Crips that De uh, Derek had beaten in the basketball game earlier attempt to steal his truck. Derek shoots and kills one of them and try uh, curb stomps another. Uh, he's sentenced to three years in the California Institution for Men for voluntary manslaughter. In prison, Derek joins the Aryan Brotherhood. He befriends an African-American inmate named Lamont, and Derek eventually becomes disillusioned by prison gang politics. He believes in the ideology, but disapproves of his gang's dealings with non-white gangs, and believes um, they only use the philosophy of white supremacy out of convenience. Turning his back on them, he's then beaten and raped in the shower by the Aryan Brotherhood. Derek is visited in um, the hospital by Sweeney, with who uh, he pleads for help to get out of prison. Sweeney warns that Danny has become involved with the Disciples of Christ. Derek ignores the Aryan Brotherhood, and Lamont warns that he might be targeted by African-American gangs. An attack never comes, and Derek actually spends the remainder of his sentence alone. And when he eventually returns home, he finds Danny emulating him, sporting a DOC tattoo and becoming a skinhead. 
Derek tries to persuade him to leave the gang, but Danny uh, feels betrayed. Derek's best friend, Seth, who's also a Disciples of Christ member, frequently disrespects Derek's mother and sister whilst grooming Danny for the gang. Seth and Danny are uh, very closely controlled by Cameron. And at a neo-Nazi party, Derek confronts Cameron for his manipulative behaviour. Cameron, Derek's former girlfriend, Stacy, and the others, um, they turn on Derek, who eventually assaults Cameron for insisting Danny will remain under his influence. Seth holds Derek at gunpoint, but Derek disarms him and flees. Then afterwards, Derek tells Danny about his experience in prison, uh, which seems to prompt uh, a change in Danny. And the pair return home and remove all their hateful posters from their shared bedroom. The next morning, Danny completes his paper, reflecting on his reasons for adopting white supremacist values and their flaws. He says that although Derek's racist views might seem to have arisen from anger over his father's death, uh, he believes that his brother's views came much earlier. He remembers one instance when his father went on a massive rant against affirmative action and uh, refers to Dr. Sweeney's teachings as uh, N-word... Um, Bull S word. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about swearing on this podcast, or well, definitely not saying the N word. Um, but yeah, um, and his death misdirected Derek's anger into racism. Uh, Derek walks Danny to school, uh, stopping at a diner for breakfast. Sweeney and a police officer inform Derek that Seth and Cameron are an intensive care unit. Um, Derek denies having any knowledge or involvement and reluctantly agrees to inspect the people he denounced. At school, Danny is shot dead by an African-American student from the previous day's incident. Derek runs uh, to the school and cradles Danny's body, blaming himself for influencing Danny's views. In the voiceover, Danny then reads the final lines of his paper for Dr. Sweeney, and he quotes the final stanza of Abraham Lincoln's first inaugural address. So, um, as I said, I'm a really big fan of this film. Um, it's our fifth 90s film in a row, and it features two stars which are pretty synonymous with that decade. Uh, we have Edward Norton, the star of um, Primal Fear and Fight Club, and um, movies after this like uh, Motherless Brooklyn and Zodiac. Um, also my favourite ever actor, by the way. Um, and we have Edward Furlong, who Terminator fans will remember also played John Connor in the original movie and all of the subsequent entries in the franchise. Um, sadly, this was one of his only movie roles after um, his breakout success that wasn't a big, just forgettable B-movie. Um, shockingly, the film only made a profit of about $3 million, garnering $23 million of tickets on their um, $20 million budget. Despite this, ever since its release, it was received incredibly well by critics and audiences alike, and it deservedly earned Edward Norton his second Oscar nomination uh, for actor in a leading role. Nelson Mandela said once that um, no one is born hating another person because of their colour of his skin, his background, or his religion. And this film is a prime example of that in practice. All hate is a learned behaviour, and it can be unlearned with proper immersion into society and spending time around the right people. So more than anything this film acts as uh, a case study as to how and why racism is planted and it develops. In this case at first the viewer would say 
It's the death of Derek's father at the hands of a group of racial minorities that leads this young, confused lad into deep racial hate, fueled by the gang that he joins. But it actually starts even earlier than this. It's the whole hostile home environment that Derek grew up in. We see this in a dentist scene really early in the film. Um, Derek's, Derek's dad is uh, already instilling these really hateful views into his son, and with a pretty apathetic mother who doesn't offer any kind of resistance or an alternative point of view, and through peer pressure, Derek feels inclined to agree. And this is mirrored in another dinner scene later on when Derek's an adult and he's now spewing these racial, same racial beliefs at the table, uh, but this time in the presence of his mum's new boyfriend. Um, but obviously this is balanced out with cues to show that eventually there's something that clicks in Derek's mind that his whole belief system is so flawed. And the best visual signifier of this is obviously the choice to film in black and white um, for the segments of the film that are set in the past. It shows that his old way of thinking was problematic in its simplicity, uh, reducing every issue down to black and white, fi uh, figuratively and literally. Uh, but when he welcomes these um, more acceptance-based values into his life, uh, we see colour in the frame, a signifier of redemption and hope for Derek and his family as a whole. Obviously the turning point for Derek comes in his time behind bars, after his imprisonment for trying to kill a black man, or two black men, outside his house. Uh, that scene where he curb stomps the guy with his teeth on the curb, oh Jesus, that, that is uh, permanently stuck in my brain. Um, so once he ends up in prison, crucially, two big things happen for him. One is that he's raped and betrayed by white men, men that he presumed were his allies purely because of their race, and he befriends a black man, a man that he would have presumed was his enemy purely because of his race. All this combined with him getting a visit from his um, school teacher that he idolised that just happened to be black, um, is what finally makes him do a big 180 on all of his beliefs. Something I find interesting is um, how in the shocking final scene where Danny is murdered for no apparent reason by a black teen, we see another confused kid making a step towards uh, Im immense violence purely fueled by racial misunderstanding and hate, except this time it's from a black teen instead. Uh, we can see in the kid's eyes after he shoots Danny in the chest that he immediately regrets it. Um, and what this shows is that the film isn't about white on black violence specifically, it's about hate in general and how it can manifest so easily from the wrong upbringing. And at no point in the film does anything positive come as a result of the racist beliefs of the characters. Uh, only pain, death and misery because ultimately hate will always be completely futile. It's important to recognise that the film um, is, isn't by any means attempting to offer a nuanced, new, comprehensive look at racial violence in America. Um, and instead, it wants to show the various branches of repercussions that this hatred uh, has in a person's family life and mental well-being. It wants to show that no action is without its consequence, and that consequence can't be just resolved with a simple apology. It's the duty of a bigot to reform their own beliefs to regain acceptance into society. And that's why the last scene in the film sticks out so much in our memories. Because, well, not because it's surprising, but because it's the complete truth. 
the biggest weakness, though, in American History X is that we're presented with only uh, only one truly three-dimensional character, um, as portrayed by Edward Norton, who gained thirty pounds for this role. Um, in one of the year's best performances, I'd say, uh, Derek is a really fully developed individual as a character. Uh, we see subtle elements that prime Derek for his racial attitudes. Following, um, we follow the events that push him over the edge. Then we uh, watch the trajectory of his life as his hatred starts to spiral out of control before being reined in eventually. Uh, it's only really the character of his son that comes anything near his brutal levels of realness. Uh, most of the other characters are uh, pretty thinly sketched stereotypes, like the principal, the liberal sister, and the weary mother, or um, caricatures like the skinheads. Uh, actors like Edward Furlong, Beverly D'Angelo, and Avery Brooks do the best they can with a scaffolding of a script that tends to hold up, but it falls on Edward Norton's shoulders to carry the film, uh, which of course he does. Um, and it would be absolutely nothing without him. Uh, ultimately, though, I think this is a great movie with a lot to say. Uh, it doesn't fall into the trap of most anti-racism movies of just making a bland redemption story of a white man where someone sees the error of their ways and everything just goes back to perfectly normal again. Uh, it's a movie that instead wants to show the rabbit hole of uh, misery for you and your family that a life of hate can lead to. And it really drills to the core of the origins and the motives for these beliefs themselves. And although the message it preaches is a positive one, for the characters of the film, it's all too little too late, making this into an incredibly tragic story. Um, you'd be hard-pressed to find another film about racial hate that's quite as visceral and authentic and moving as this. So, for that reason, I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10. Um... This, I really think, should have won at least one Oscar. Um, it was only nominated for one, though, I think. And, uh, the one for Edward Norton. And that's even more of a kick in the face when you remember that Green Book won Best Picture a few years ago. And it was another anti-racism film, but I really wasn't a fan of that film at all. You know, I thought it was really watered-down Oscar bait that perpetuated the whole white saviour narrative that all films these days should be completely against. Um, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked, but you know, it is kind of annoying that uh, these big blockbuster films against racism have become something a bit more, you know, watered down just to appeal to white people. Um, but yeah, 8.5. I've always really uh, liked this film, and it's available on Netflix, finally, a film that they actually have. Um, and in my ranking of films that have been reviewed here on the podcast so far, I'm putting it at number one. Yeah, um, finally, Grave of the Fireflies has been beaten, and we have a new film at the top spot to beat. Uh, all right, next week it'll be Gladiator, the 2000 action film starring Russell Crowe. Uh, I look forward to watching that and giving a review out for all of you. Uh, in the meantime, have a good week. Follow the podcast on Instagram if you want, uh, at top50podcast on there, uh, where I do all the announcements for whatnot. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the episode, and maybe I'll see you right back here, same time, same place, here on the IMDb Top 50 Marathon Podcast. 